virgin all the way. Oh, and it's a beautiful goal! What a Leicester City top of the league, a fantastic double 2-0 win against Southampton and Chelsea. We look back on those two victories and also preview the cup game against Brentford and then in the Premier League against Everton. Did I mention we're top of the league? It's for Fox's sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox's Sake, top of the league. My name is Pete Selby and I'm alongside Rob Hayes, top of the league. Hello, Rob. I can't believe you're getting so carried away, Pete. What the crucial message of today's podcast surely has to be is that we are just within a couple of points of securing the Magic 40 and securing Premier League football for another season. Surely, surely that's what we're going to lead on. On the podcast, we are very level-headed, recording a day after the win against Chelsea and normally a few days after what happens at the weekend. And we take a measured approach, but no, I'm as giddy as a giddy thing with a giddy aunt who lives on giddy streets. I'm happy as a happy person who lives on Happy Avenue in Happyville, who went to happy school, drinking happy water, as the Birch would say. We are top, and I think it's now time to take the gloves off. Now is the time to look at Leicester and not look at them and say, right, we're going to go and win the league and look at them as a as a a major force in English football for the next 20 years and we're going to win everything. But to to kind of take the gloves off and go, right, we are where we are. And this, and we're going to stay there for at least this season and the signings that we can possibly make, et cetera, et cetera. We're no longer this, you know, we're, we're now, are we a top six side, you know, challenging maybe the Champions League? No, no, no. We are a Champions League um, team in all but being in that competition we are a now genuine top four contender and in this title race slap bang wabang in the middle of it and and the reason i'm saying this rob is not on the back of a win it's not on the back of what four on the bounce now in the premier league two two nil wins against good sides like southampton and chelsea with good players maybe not a good side but a, a team of individuals you'd call them because of the substitutions that were made. You can make a substitution in the Premier League and bring on a player who would normally be in your first team. But at the moment, that team out for Leicester is pretty much our strongest side. You, you maybe argue one or two, but you won't really find it being a landslide towards a player who is on the bench. So when you bring on a Kaglas Onchu, is there a better centre-half in the Premier League that you can bring off the bench. Well, he was in the best team of the year last year. And I'd argue with his performance against Southampton when he came off the bench, I think many people probably expected him to play against Chelsea. I'm going to say probably not. Is there the second sub, Ricardo, a better player to come off the bench who's not in your first team straight away than Ricardo? Probably not in the Premier League, one of the best fullbacks in the league. And then you look further forward and you've got all then sorts of options then for your final sub. You could be an Under, it could be a Perez who's who's been playing well recent games, etc. The strength we have 
in this squad now that's fully up and running with the injuries that have, have now more or less gone away, especially with Soyan Chu and, and Ricardo. Playing the football we're playing, getting the results we're playing, we are absolutely flying. So right now, genuinely a cautious person, me, when it comes to Leicester, not anymore. Gloves are well and truly off. We're going to really go for it this season. It's I don't think we've ever, in our history, apart from obviously a few years ago when it was just that season of all seasons, I don't think we've ever been as strong, ever, in our history. It's quite a substantial and long history that Leicester City have, particularly in the in the top flight, or, well, top two divisions, shall we say, for all but one season, really. And that, that was quite a fun season, wasn't it, down in League One? But yeah, it is... For all the good, great squads that Leicester City have had over the past decades, uh, for all of the world-class players that have come and gone, and usually there's only been one, maybe two at the club at a time, this this is, without a shadow of a doubt, the best position that the club has been in from every single point of view. And... And I think the timing of this podcast is obviously off the back of two 2-0 two wins against, as you said, two decent sides in Chelsea and Southampton. But it's it's also now taken us to the 19-game mark, which is slap-bang halfway through the season. Now, if we were making these claims after five or ten games of the season... You know, you could probably say, well, slow down, lads. We're only a third of the way through the season. There's a lot of football still to be played. And right now, there still is a lot of football to be played. Another half a season. Exactly. But right now on merit, Leicester City are right up there. And yes, by the time that this podcast has been listened to by most of you, we're recording um, sort of mid-afternoon on a, on a Wednesday, the day after. There are teams to play on Wednesday night and Thursday night that could put us back down. Fine, don't care. Um, And I actually said to my other half yesterday, I said, look, we're top of the league, we're just beating Chelsea. She went, you're not top of the league. I was like, well, look, here's the league table, number one, Leicester. She went, yeah, but all the teams below you have got games in hand. I was like, yeah, 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 but right now we're top of the league. Um, We're right up there on merit, and it's a huge testament to what we talked about earlier on in the season in terms of the fact that the squad coped well with the injuries and got lots of good results. But we did have a couple of blips. We did have a couple of defeats. And, and those times will come again this season. There will We're not just going to keep on chugging out 2-0 wins for the rest of the season. It's not going to happen. But you're absolutely right, Pete. The substitutions that we are now able to make are no longer ones where you're bringing on another fringe player to, re- to replace a fringe player who's played too many games. Like, you're not bringing on a kid like Luke Thomas to replace uh, a veteran like Christian Fuchs because Fuchs hasn't got in another 90 minutes in his legs. No, 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 no. Now you're bringing on um, Ricardo, you know, a, a former Leicester player of the year, back from injury. You're bringing him on for Mark Brighton, who's playing some of his best football in a Leicester shirt, you've got to argue. Yeah, you're bringing Soyun Chu in for your £30 million teenage centre-half sensation Wesley Fofana and on top of all this we won't talk about it right now but the the training ground's there the training in it the facilities are there everything is there for Leicester to be right up there 
are we saying right now we're going to win the league? No, we're not. But are we title contenders right now? Yes, we have to be because halfway through the season, we're top of the league. Have I mentioned top of the league? I think you have. And it's it's just brilliant. It's fantastic. I was thinking earlier on today, I've got absolutely, and you can probably hear this in my voice, got nothing planned. Okay, nothing written down at all because... In football, there's so much nonsense spoken in football. And I'm talking about football fans, by the way. And that's why, partly, we really like it. And there's so much, yeah, but what about this player? Yeah, what about this? And all this sort of thing. I think Leicester fans in general, we really enjoy the moment. Rather than kind of looking ahead and seeing what else could maybe happen, we generally, because of where we've come from and the size of the club, etc., in our history... We enjoy the moment. You go back to those Wembley finals in the 90s. It was, a, it was a moment. It was the day out. And then with what's happened recently, there's still those those moments, those wins, even if we're not playing very well. And then you, you beat one of the big sides. It's still a big thing. Being top of the league, most supporters of other clubs and most people I've spoken to since, even if it's just electronically through text or WhatsApps, their first thing is, yeah, but this team's got two games in hand. It doesn't matter because we are top of the league and you have to enjoy it. And with what's going on in the world at the moment, you have to enjoy these moments. And we are. And it's great. It's just you have to, on a podcast, look forward and go, right, what can happen? What can we do? And then look beyond just Leicester and say, yes, OK, teams do have. So we will discuss that. But... They are playing so well at the moment, City. Everyone against Chelsea, for me, was a an 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10. I'm quite conscious, actually. I do say the words for me quite a lot. But when we do record the podcast, we're not in the same room. We're not in the same county. And also, we don't record this over Zoom as well, so we can't see each other. So when I, when I try and say my piece and then kind of hand over to Rob. I like to to get my bit in as well. That's why I do say for me quite a lot on this podcast. Uh, so I uh, I would say, for me, everyone really was a good 8 or 9 out of 10 against Chelsea. The game against Southampton was a very tough game, probably in many ways tougher than against Chelsea, it turns out. Um, our level of performance was lower, but I thought Southampton were excellent. I think actually Southampton have been... Um, kind of underplayed in 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 how they they played against Leicester. I thought they were excellent, absolutely excellent, and gave us an awful lot to worry about. Uh, a brilliant goal scored by Madison, and then late on on the counter, uh, the goal by Barnes. But it was a it was a tough game in which Leicester ground out a win through, and I think we got this pretty much bang on in our preview of the game by just being being very similar to Southampton, or should I say Southampton quite similar to us, uh, apart from we are just slightly better uh, in most aspects of our play and individual talent. And then you've got one or two um, who are, are just generally better players. And those moments that they can create will probably be the difference. And it was with the goal, say, from Madison, great through ball from Yuri Tillemans. And then you look at the manager, and I think one of the most intelligent substitutions you've seen for a long time, taking off Wesley Fofana, who was playing okay, no problems there, but he was on a yellow card, made a slightly rash challenge, and you take him off, and then you bring Kaglas Unchu on, who had, and I would argue, 
that Soyuncu possibly was even man of the match in that game, even though he only played 40 minutes. He did not put a foot wrong in that second half. Shored up the defence, uh, which then gave the platform for Leicester to to be fairly comfortable in the final, say, half an hour, 25 minutes, and eventually uh, catch them on the counter late on to win 2-0. So overall, a really good win, but I thought that Soyuncu substitution was was very brave, but also something that you shouldn't really be shocked by from Brendan Rodgers, something that we would expect a top manager to do, and also something that a top manager would then, in the next few days, be able to put his arm around uh, just turned 20-year-old centre-half, who was obviously disappointed with being taken off, and then plays him in the next game, and I say would play his best game for Leicester, and it was outstanding, and then was a man of the match against Chelsea. So that decision from Rodgers was not only a brilliant decision in the aspect of the game against Southampton, but it's what happened in the days to come, and then the performance by Fafani yesterday. Uh, that all stems from the management. It's outstanding in-game and man management, isn't it, from Brendan Rodgers? Because, you know, the, you've seen it before. And, and we I think what we, we go back to the point there where we, we've got the luxury of having those quality substitutes to bring on. Um, if it was just Wes Morgan as the only central defender on the bench in that particular game, would we have been in the, the position to make that substitution purely from a tactical point of view? Probably not. But because Wesley Fofana is in outstanding form and has been brilliant since he's been asked to do more than anybody could have expected him to do in his in his short time at Leicester so far, and because Soyuncu is such a high-performing centre-back as we know from last season... He could make that switch without even batting an eyelid. And it made so much sense for the management of the game. And like you say, Fafana bound to be disappointed. Of course he is. He wants to play. The last thing he wants to do after putting together this string of brilliant performances is for the manager to just start bringing Soyuncu in instead of him. Of course he doesn't. He wants to be playing football. But to then come back in and put in... absolute stormer of a performance against Chelsea a few days after being subbed early on in the second half against Southampton shows a lot about Fofana it also shows a lot about Rodgers because he's Rodgers isn't the kind of manager then that would ignore the player for the next few days you get those sort of managers not so often nowadays you've got to say but you get those managers where it's like it was my decision on the day I've not spoken to the player about it I picked the team I make the decisions blah 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 you can imagine as soon as that whistle went at the end of the Southampton game, Rogers would have had his arm around Fafana and said, look, I brought you off because of this, this and this. You're going to start against Chelsea. Go out there and show me what you can do again and just play your game and play his game he did against Chelsea. And we'll come on to that in more detail, I'm sure, in a few minutes' are you, time. Are you surprised, Rob? Are you surprised he started? I was. I, I would have I would have put good money on Soyan Chu being in the starting lineup. I think it was a positive risk taken by Brendan Rodgers uh, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, the team that started in the win against Southampton thoroughly deserved, on balance, to start again against Chelsea a few days later. So uh, am I surprised in that sense that the same eleven started? No. Um, could I understand the calls for Soyuncu to start the game against Chelsea Yes, I, I completely could because Suyuncu showed in that 40 minutes, as you said there, he showed that he is 
right up at the level that he was at last season. And I think that's always a worry when you've got a player coming back from injury that they might need a few games, a few weeks, sometimes even a few months to get back up to speed or even just to have that little edge of sharpness and confidence in their game, which was which is so vital to the way that Suen Chu plays at centre-back. But he showed in that second half against Southampton, he's got all of that back there straight away. No issue. He's not being rushed back. He's completely ready. So... Would I have been surprised at all to see Soyuncu start instead of Fafana? No, but and and this is this is why I say it's a positive risk for Rodgers because if he'd started Fafana last night against Chelsea and Fafana had got a little bit carried away with the occasion, couple more rash challenges, or maybe tried to win balls that weren't there and 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 made a couple of mistakes that allowed the quality of Chelsea to come through, then there would have been huge question marks after the game as to why Soyuncu didn't start. But, you know, you're as a manager in football, you 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 live by your decisions. And Fafana was absolutely immense against Chelsea. So that decision was totally justified. I thought he had it was tremendous. I I think also, and I mentioned earlier that I thought that Soyuncu was arguably man in the match against Southampton. Just to go back, I, I kept a really close eye on Soyuncu in that second half. He was right slap, I completely agree with you, slap bang as the Soyuncu who was fantastic last year. I was incredibly impressed. I was quite shocked actually that Fafana started against Chelsea, but he was he was immense. He still has that stepping out of defence with the ball. He had everything that you want in a centre-half alongside Johnny Evans. He, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I don't think he, I, I think Soyuncu will probably more than likely play uh, against Brentford this coming weekend to get games in his bag. And then Fafana is probably being told, you'll be then starting the next Premier League game. That's probably how things are going to go. If you can hear something in the background, I think there's some other drilling going on next to for Fox 8 Studios. So if you if you can hear that, then apologies, but there you go. It's um, And then the rest of the team, we, we do have a, a settled lineup now. And throughout all this, something you just said as well, a few minutes ago, you do have to keep in the back of your mind those players like Mendy and like Christian Fuchs, who played so well uh, earlier on in the season to get us in this position, who now are struggling to make the bench in terms of, say, Christian Fuchs. But that's just those players coming back from injury and the natural kind of progression of the of the bench of the squad as it would be if everyone's fully fit. Hence, what I said at the start of the of the podcast, and. The rest of the side is now settled and all playing extremely well. How well is Albrighton for a start playing? Someone like Under just not getting a look in. I know he's had a few injury problems in the last few weeks, etc. But um, Iosi Perez coming off the bench, he looks really sharp. He played very well in the game against Stoke in, in almost that kind of false nine, kind of a number 10, but being in the central position role. And when he comes off the bench, he looked hungry. He looked quick, uh, quick-footed. And up for a fight. And at the moment, and again, I'd probably expect him to maybe start against Brentford. It depends if they're going to go with a, a full strength side, but he might start um, roughly in the same kind of lineup as they played against uh, Stoke. But uh, coming off the bench, fine. You've got um, Inacho, who is always going to be a number two to Vardy. We'll come on to Vardy in a second. But the, the, the side is settled. They're all playing really well. Madison's playing so well. 
dropping slightly deeper, although he said in his match interview at the end of the game with Sky, which has been lauded and it was a really good interview, but then he's done that for a few times, so it might have been new to a few people, but uh, no real surprise to Leicester fans, but comes across really well, doesn't he? A good talker. And he mentioned about dropping back into a kind of a number eight position. I thought in the first half especially, because they changed it slightly at half-time, something Rogers said, but earlier on it became apparent to me, I thought that it was more Yuri Tillemans slightly playing further forward um, to be nearer to Madison, which helps his game, and we know how good a player Yuri Tillemans is. I, I thought that was more of the change than, than maybe Madison dropping back. Obviously, that was the instruction, it was towards Madison, but it was uh, obviously similar things, one goes forward or or one drops further back. Whatever it was, it helped. And then in the second half, Rogers said in his post-match interview regarding uh, just making things a little bit more solid because Chelsea were were on top in the final, say, 15 minutes of the first half and moving into a more, say, traditional 4-4-2 almost. So abandoning the plan of, this is what I mentioned with um, with Madison, uh, with, with Yuri Tillemans going further forward, abandoning that plan, moving him further back uh, to a more kind of orthodox 4-4-2 formation and him being deeper alongside Ndidi. And it meant that, that Leicester were more solid. And even though Chelsea, with their talented side, they're not a team. They are um, a, a, they're a bunch of individuals. Uh, they haven't got a settled lineup at all. Uh, Pulisic is their best player by a million miles. He, imagine Pulisic for Leicester. He would really just cap off that side, um, who would be replaced at the moment. But you know, he's a he's a quality player. But away from that, um, even though they had the ball around the area a, a fair bit, never really troubled the keeper. One or two occasions, but you're playing against Chelsea, it's gonna it's gonna happen. But it wasn't really. If you look at the stats, it can be quite misleading when it comes to possession stats. It never really felt incredibly uncomfortable, especially in the second half. End of the first half, yes, they put pressure on, hence the change. But um, just clever, really, by Rodgers. And uh, two 2-0 wins. It wasn't quite the, the 3-2 double, as I uh, as I predicted. And had a couple of quid on, because, you know, it would have paid about about uh, just over a grand. But uh, I'll definitely take the two 2 nils. It's interesting. I'll pick up on your point there about the possession stats, because I never, I never felt uncomfortable or or that Leicester were out of control of the game as you said there that you didn't either and and a lot of the match reports either online or in the papers whatever you've read in the last sort of 12 hours or so 24 if you're listening to this a little bit later after the game to sort of absorb it most of them say that Leicester put in a dominant display or that Leicester controlled the game against Chelsea if you just looked at the possession stats, you'd think that either the statistician got it the wrong way around or somebody's writing bogus headlines because the the stat on the BBC website is that Chelsea had 64% of the possession to Leicester's 36. And while you're looking at that, you would say that then it's a classic former Leicester City counter-attacking display. They must have sat in for ages and just let soaked up loads of Chelsea pressure. It didn't really feel like that, and that's not really how the game panned out. Chelsea kept the ball at times quite well, as they will, because they're a bunch of talented individuals, as you completely rightly said there, Pete. But they didn't really worry the Leicester defence or threaten them. And that is partly down to some 
brilliant performances, particularly Evans and Fafana at centre-back. I thought they were really were world-class. You know, you're playing against many world-class individual players there, regardless of what you say about Chelsea as a team, which I also totally agree with. They are struggling to get anywhere near the top four at the moment because they are not working as a team and they don't have a starting eleven. Um But Leicester... I would say we're in control of the game. I would say Leicester were the ones that looked more dangerous. Leicester were the ones making Chelsea worry. Because when Chelsea had the ball, Leicester just got back into whatever shape it was in the first half. And whatever tweak was made at halftime to tweak the shape in the second half. Brendan Rodgers and his coaching staff were constantly analysing it and making sure that Leicester had the right number of bodies in the right areas. They pressed when they needed to. I think they pressed really, really well against against Chelsea. And they prevented Chelsea from having any real kind of threat. So from all of those points of view, Leicester City were in control. From the only, from, If you just looked at the stats, you would say Chelsea controlled the game, the boss the game. They didn't, not by a long stretch. But... We've we've talked, I think, about about Fafana quite a lot, and you know the the influence of Johnny Evans can't go unmentioned and unnoticed here. It doesn't on this podcast. This is not the first time we've talked about Johnny Evans. Um, quite recently signed a contract extension, which is fantastic for the club, fantastic for Soyuncu, fantastic for Fafana as well. Um, at the moment. He's the undroppable centre-back. We, we talked there about Suyuncu being in the team of the year. We talked about Fafana with some outstanding performances and more than living up to the £30 million price tag, which we said was the biggest transfer gamble in Leicester's history. But at the moment, there's absolutely no way Suyuncu and Fafana both start in a game in a, in a back two, in a centre-back two, because Johnny Evans was brilliant in both games and is clearly dragging the not not that Fafana and Suunchu wouldn't have it in them on their own, but they are reaching really top heights as centre backs because of Evans what Brendan Rogers described as in game coaching. Evans will constantly be talking to them. His positional sense is outstanding. He'll be making sure that his centre back partner, whether it's Fafana or Suunchu, is in that right place too. And his organisation, his leadership, the the team cannot do without Johnny Evans at the moment. He is a crucial cog in Leicester's climb up the table. He is. I do wonder, though, you looked forward to the game against Brentford and you look and you go, I wonder if there is a case and completely injury news to one side, because we don't know, no one knows at the moment, he seems absolutely fine. But if there is a case where maybe he's carrying something or they just decide to go, do you know what, just have a game off, whether they look and go, right, Soyuncu, come into the side and play the Evans role, be slightly you know, more Evans-like than, than, than Soyuncu-like, uh, or you just turn around and go, right, you're in the side alongside Fafana. Who knows? It, it could well be the case rather than, than play Evans all the time we'll wait and see we don't know the yet but can they play together I think they can I think they would have to and it would be Soyuncu more than likely being the senior figure to to be the guy who maybe just takes a step back and 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 says right I'll be kind of like the leader for Fana you just play your game and I'll be 
playing that Evans role. That, that's something that could maybe happen at the weekend. I, I don't think so. I think they'll play uh, Johnny Evans. But um, and with the games coming up, you look forward to the games in, say, February. At the moment, they've just announced that all the games in February will be live once again on you know, BT or Sky or, or Amazon Prime, however. Uh, and all the fixtures have been changed around as well in, according to different kickoff times. So that's all in the Premier League. So that's good news and something that... I think everyone would have expected. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether they do decide that to be a factor because it will happen in the not-too-distant future, Evans' age and with a look to next season. So why not give it a go in in the game against Brentford? But the way Leicester are playing now, why change a a winning formula, a winning side, away from the centre-halves? Well, James Justin, again, we sang his praises last week saying he's just improving game by game had a fantastic game brilliant game and that right at the end when he he, he turned his man he's got um he's got some engine hasn't he oh uh, justin brilliant um brilliant pace stamina you know, young lad you expect this sort of thing but um completely undroppable uh, arguably the most informed fullback in the premier league in fact top of my head you'd have to say he is really um you got Robertson probably one side, and in fact there was a team um, put out there on Twitter from a bookmaker who said, "Is this the current team of the season?" And um, I pretty much agreed with it, apart from a couple of players, and uh, one of them they didn't have Calvert Lewin. I thought probably would be one of the strikers, but they didn't include Justin, and surely he would be at the moment, the most informed fullback. International-wise, we'll see what happens. I think it's a complete no-brainer that he'll get called up. But he's now essentially undroppable. And when you've got Ricardo coming back into the side, I think that's going to be a slow process with him. He looked good. He looked hungry. He was it was like a like a, a dog chasing a rabbit, wasn't he? He was just everywhere, just following the ball. Like, give me the ball. I'm playing football once again. 300, Rob, 316 days. Uh, he's been missing Premier League football for since his injury in the last game with the crowd against Villa. And it was great to see him back and he just looked eager and y- you could see him certainly starting against, if he's fully fit uh, to start a game, that he would more than likely start against Brentford. It would be an ideal game for him to get uh, to get game time, whether um, you'd, you'd imagine Justin one side and him the other side and, and maybe then Castagna to come on if you're only going to play Ricardo for, say, an hour. Something along those lines. We'll, we'll see. But for him to get back in the side, fantastic. Um, where he then slots in is a conversation for another day. But also, if you're on the bench and you're not playing because of... Not that you're coming back from an injury, so you're not maybe completely match fit, but you are 100% tip-top, 90-minute, match fit but you're not in the side purely on selection purposes there's no reason and I don't think this is the case at all at Leicester for for any of the players but there is no reason to be kind of down in the mouth about things because you can't be any better Leicester couldn't have been better at this point of the season apart from maybe in the, the League Cup final top of the league Europe FA Cup everything's going well the team playing fantastically everyone getting their chance as well. It's not like players aren't playing. So you go through the side, Justin, fantastic. Castagna, uh, I thought one of his uh, better games, actually. He's been uh, he's been good since he's come back, but I thought he was very solid. Midfield, indeed, he was immense. Scored the goal. 
And, um, I mean, Barnes, <laughs> a real air shot, wasn't it? And in an indeedy slice in, in off the post. Who would have thought that? And um, good for him to get the goal because he's had, and we know that he's not the best from distance, but he the ball does land to him. Because he he reads the game so well, you can only imagine it's for that reason. He finds himself in a bit of space. Um, he's looking around. He's 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 being alert. And he stiffs the ball out so well. He reads the game so well. That's why he gets his tackles in. So clean in the tackle. But for him to get to the position where he can actually make a clean tackle, it's because he reads the game so well. He's just ahead of play. And I think that's the case in an attacking sense as well. So he gets these chances. And we all know that they spoon off into row Z. That's what happens. So for him to get this goal, yes, it was a slice. But it might just give him that bit of confidence to actually go, do you know what? If I just keep my head down and, 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 and really concentrate and almost to the point of looking maybe slightly more awkward than natural, you know, really get over the ball, I'm going to get these chances more more times than not because it, it, it does land to him on the outside of the box. And uh, that can only be a good thing that we have um, goals coming from, a, I'd say, another source, but they are coming from all over the park. But uh, I think it will be, yes, it is quite funny that he scored, but... In the long run, this could be a good thing. We could be coming back to this goal in a few months' time and go, that was actually the start of Ndidi scoring two or three goals in the Premier League. Well, we talk about every other quality that he possesses on the football pitch. We talked about him when when he came back in to the side, he's, he's being just able to defend set pieces. Oh, yes, he he's he's physically brilliant and um, positionally, as you said, they're excellent as well. His tackling stats are outrageous. He keeps the ball tidily. His his range of passing is obviously not as extensive as the likes of Tielemans and Madison, but they're there to play different roles. But he brings some more aerial presence into both boxes and in the middle of the park, which is another the another key element. He's he's fast. He's strong. He's seems pretty level-headed and like he just enjoys being on a football pitch which is great especially for a player in that position which doesn't always get the plaudits but I think Wilfred Ndidi is is an exceptional defensive midfielder who does stand out in that role but if can you imagine right we're talking about him as as one of Leicester's best ever central midfielders we've had a lot Now, now you're then saying okay Wilf is in a position now to maybe you know, we, we never know. We might sit here and this might be his only goal for the next three years or whatever. But he's in a position maybe to contribute three, four, five Premier League goals this season. That adds even more feathers to a cap that is currently extremely full. He's got every other attribute going. If he can chip in with a few vital goals throughout the season then it's going to be a huge benefit to, to us and to him and to his confidence in, in those kind of areas. You're right, he is not the kind of midfielder that he's gambling on a cross in terms of getting himself in the box because he is a key component of us not getting caught on the break. Um, He's a key component in releasing Tielemans and Madison. So he does pop up in those areas 20, 25 yards away from goal. So just getting a strike on it, and putting it somewhere near the target, head over it, is 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 important. And yes, he sliced it a little bit off the outside of his left boot, but that's what took it away from all of the, the crowd of players and in off the inside of the post. So we'll just say that he meant to do it. That's fine. But the, the other thing about the goal 
is that it came nice and early. And Leicester of old, pre-Brendan Rodgers era probably, for the most part, you would never have backed us to score an early goal and then continue on the front foot. But that's exactly what we did. So the, the timing of the goal in this sense was really, really good. I think sometimes for certain teams in certain games, there there is a, a time that's too early to score. If it's a game where maybe you're a little bit more of an underdog and you score early doors, it's then backs against the wall for 80-odd minutes, isn't it? But it never felt like that for Leicester. It felt like that goal was a nice settler to say, right, there's a reward for your early hard work. Use this to continue to be on the front foot. So it's not only a Wilfred and Didi goal that we're all, as you say, having a little chuckle about him, he, him himself included in his post-match interview. But if he can chip in with goals that are as important as that, that really set the tone for the for the performance on the night. I'm not saying without the goal it wouldn't have happened, but it really gave us a positive start. Then it's yet another positive contribution that he makes to this team and, and he becomes even more indispensable. Yeah, it was a, a lovely move from the corner, identified by Madison in his interview. Him and Albrighton identifying that uh, only one person will come short and really well worked and back to Barnes. But it, it goes in and one goal would give a player confidence. But when I mentioned about his technique, about him maybe changing his technique to get a shot on target, that takes a lot of confidence to to actually do that. So confidence will come from scoring. So yes, the goal went in off the outside of his left foot. But that goal going in will maybe give him that confidence not to shoot more because we know he does, but to then maybe when the ball drops to his feet go, actually, I'm going to really just concentrate on this get on target, knowing that if I do, it can go in because it just has. And it might be a very simple thing to happen, but that's what you're doing when you're shooting from distance when you are Wilfred and Didi. You're not you know, David Beckham or someone who, who might be able to curl it in the top corner or try and place it. It's um it's gonna be just a case of getting it on target. He I would say Wilfred and Didi right now and first of all, credit to Mendy, because Mendy was playing so well, so well. And for Indeedy to come in, first up to get to the level that Mendy was playing, but then to completely go past that and to play at the standard that he's doing at the moment, uh, his all-round game's exceptional. I think his heights, we mentioned when he came back into the side, absolutely invaluable for Leicester uh, in a defensive sense from set plays and also, hopefully, in an attacking sense, but he does generally hand back, like you said, for counter-attack reasons. I would say at the moment that Wilfred Ndidi could play in any side in European football. I think he would go into the defensive midfield of... Arguably, apart from the best side at the moment, Bayern Munich, the way that they set up at the moment, it maybe wouldn't be the case. Maybe in a difficult European game, I could argue him getting in their side, but domestically they're so on top. But that's maybe a little bit more detailed about the German game. But away from that, he would play for any side in Europe. Any side. Um, Away from him, I know it's a bit of a funny question, just top of my head. You're looking around. Fafana would obviously be of interest, but... um, Arguably, say, but probably a, maybe even a cash for Schmeichel, arguably, you know, you'd say would easily slot in, in in most sides in Europe, really, but a specialist position. But that's how much I rate Ndidi, and with his age, he, he has to be an extremely valuable commodity. Whether teams are going to come in for him, who knows what could happen. But at the moment, you wouldn't have any player 
really in the Premier League, especially ahead of him. If you kind of switch it around, who would you rather have at Leicester ahead of Ndidi? No one. No one at all in that position. Absolutely no one. And uh, and then away from him, all Brighton, his usual fantastic game. Um, Barnes, Madison and uh, and Jamie Vardy up top. Uh, three Englishmen up top, which has been highlighted in, in a few of the press over the last, what, 24 hours since the game. And yes, Vardy doesn't not say look as sharp. He had the injury at the end of the game against Southampton and it was great that he played for 80 minutes against Chelsea. So it shows it's not um, it's nothing new. It's just what he's got wrong with his hip, isn't it? Um, he's not quite at the top level of his game, but no real concern. That'll come back, get a goal, job done. Madison, playing the best football of his career at Leicester by far. Um, stronger, quicker, um, more confident, scoring goals. Um, as he said in his post-match interview as well, um, taking goals very nicely. The two goals he scored, uh, very, very different. Uh, a brilliant finish against Southampton, high uh, into the top corner on the near post. And then the goal against Chelsea, I think is a better goal actually than it looked because he took it in stride, which you have to give credit to um to Madison for yes it can just be just a uh, the way he's come onto the ball it, it just landed naturally in his stride but you have to give him credit overall um but to to have the confidence to to stroke it home that only happens when you're confident you know not snatching at the ball he could have easily taken a touch and maybe cut back and had a a, a supposed cleaner and easier shot on goal but no taking it like he did that's confidence and uh and at the moment, he is one of the main goal threats, really, for Leicester. Normally, it would be Vardy you put down, but Madison. And then uh, Harvey Barnes. I think in the first half, at times, he was borderline unplayable when he ran with the ball. Slightly cumbersome um, with the snatched miss hit. Um, it was, I, mean, I think if he caught that, that was going rosette because he was swinging so hard at that. Um, but... Apart from that, and a few, um, I, I think when you're playing against Chelsea, because their players are very technical, um, and also he's playing near Madison, who again, very technical, good control, also Yuri Tillemans. Um, his control isn't up to an extreme standard. He'll get the ball and it will bob up from his control. Uh, and then he maybe takes another touch to, to get the ball fully under control. That, you know, um, But he has extreme talent elsewhere running with the ball every time he turned and ran at the Chelsea defence they just couldn't live with him uh, Rogers mentioned at the end of the game as well they, they put how many times he went down from pulling his shirt from fouls I think there was a, what, a booking or two in the first half um, every time he ran with the ball he scared them stiff and yes he didn't score but he took away, he put away his chance against Southampton really well. Vardy-esque has been said in many, many places. Again, pure confidence. He knew exactly what he was going to do, and he stroked the ball home. Everyone is playing so well at the moment. But uh, when we played against Chelsea, we mentioned, just trying to go back to what, what you mentioned uh, what, 10 minutes ago or so, when they had possession... It wasn't like they were creating chance after chance in the second half. And Leicester, and during the game, a few people on the WhatsApp to me who were watching the game said, oh, yeah, Leicester, they are kind of sitting back. And I went, well, in the last quarter of an hour, so this was between, say, the 65th minute and, say, 
um, the 80th minute, pretty much until Vardy was taken off the field. I says, Chelsea have had the ball for about 80% of, of, of the time. Now, there was a few half chances. The ball bobbled in the area a couple of times and then cleared. I says, but we have had three brilliant chances to score a third goal and to put the game out of uh, reach. There was Barnes on the right cut in, um, and then it was a block shot. There was the counter-attack, which Yuri Tillemans did really well, actually. It was a good save. I think the goalkeeper's legs, um, he, he did really well going the wrong way to stick out his left leg and to, to block the shot because um, Tillemans was at full pace. And then on his left foot, I think it was a good effort, uh, unlucky not to score. And then just before that, there was the Justin header, which overall should really have scored from. Uh, and there was another one or two breakaway chances. I said, we're looking like scoring more than Chelsea. Yes, they're having the ball, but on the counter, we are absolutely mustered. And we've still got that from our league winning season. We were still one of the best counter-attacking teams in the Premier League. And I think some players, some people maybe just not quite aware um, if they've not seen Leicester, then, then they may be thinking, hang on, you're being bossed here. Well, no, we're not, because we're creating those chances. And uh, it was, I says at the moment, it's more looking like Leicester are going to win 3-0 than Chelsea getting the goal back uh, to make it 2-1. It, it, it was just a very comfortable second half. And overall, again, two tremendous results. I'll just say my piece on the on the front line, and then we'll 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 call it a day on the player by player blow by blow account. Um, yes, Vardy is not quite up to the one hundred percent level of sharpness that we've seen throughout his Leicester City career at the moment, and usually that would pose a problem for Leicester City. Because how many times have you heard it in the past that the, the, the Leicester City are toothless without Jamie Vardy? They can't. They can't really exist without Jamie Vardy. Well, we've just played against, in Southampton, one of the best collective teams in the Premier League. And in Chelsea, some of the best individual players in the Premier League, whatever you say about their current form. And won both of those games 2-0 where Vardy hasn't scored in either of them. So what's pleasing is that the goals are being contributed by other areas of the pitch as well. Which is which is an excellent position to be in. Uh, Harvey Barnes is just raw, explosive, electric pace. Reese James is probably one of the most athletic fullbacks in the Premier League, and and I believe he was selected to play against Leicester yesterday over Azpilicueta. I know he's played more than Azpilicueta this season anyway, but I think James is just coming back from an injury. Um, but Azpilicueta especially at his age now, wouldn't have had no chance of living with the pace of uh, of Harvey Barnes. Rhys James, very athletic, young fullback, plenty of pace, strength uh, and explosiveness. He couldn't live with with uh, Harvey Barnes. So you've got to ask yourself, is there a fullback in the league? Is there a defence in the league that can live with Harvey Barnes when he's carrying the ball at that kind of pace? And the answer is most of the time, especially on the, the current season's reflection at the halfway point, absolutely not. Um, yes, sometimes he loses the ball under his feet, but that's probably because he's travelling at such high speed he can't always take it with him. And he is a proper old-fashioned winger who just loves to have a go at fullback time after time after time. I'd much rather see that than somebody who displays all of this close control but never gets by a player and never really worries anybody. He's deceptively fast, isn't he? Because he doesn't actually look incredibly pacey when he runs 
But because he's got broad shoulders, even if you do catch up with him, he, he, he's, you can't shrug him off the ball, put it that way. But I think he is deceptively fast because I think Barnes is one of those players who can run as quick with the ball as he can without the ball. And he's a, he's a, he's a fast player. I'm a big fan of uh, Rhys James. I think he's a, a, a proper talent. I think the problem with Rhys James, and it was highlighted with his positioning by Jamie Redknapp after the game, and it was... Uh, he he was just kind of lost at sea, really. He's very good going forward. What he could do with, and not at Chelsea, he, he could really do with coming to Leicester and, and playing under Brendan Rodgers and sorting out his positional sense. Not that we're lacking in the fullback position, so. Yeah, Barnes is, you're right, deceptively quick. He's he's quite, uh, he, I can't, he kind of almost seems to glide, doesn't he? And he doesn't look the kind of build that should be that fast. And I think that's probably why he doesn't quite look that fast. But when you see him just knock the ball five, ten yards past a defender and absolutely smoke past them. That's proof how of how quick he is. Uh, just finally, I'll touch on, on Madison because there was a point that was made on our Facebook page on um, on Sunday after the Southampton game, which which I found quite interesting, actually. I'll just um, just access it because it's fairly lengthy. I'll try and, um, and summarise it. Um, in one of the three-word reviews, uh, one of our Italian listeners, Oscar De Bagno, has um, put worst player scored. And then he's he said brief explanation in his additional comment under it. It's not brief, but I'll try and uh, make it brief. Um, he's described Madison's performance against Southampton as utterly disgraceful, taking too many touches. Uh, if he hadn't scored, he would have got a four out of ten, but is scoring a goal enough to drag him up to seven out of ten. Um, he uh, it, it, Vardy is a kind of player that it's universally known that he doesn't need to take more than a dozen touches a game to be decisive whereas Madison um, doesn't do enough of the link up play his set pieces aren't good enough um, let's say yeah that's I mean that's pretty much it um, and he's asking the question should, should we sell Madison and anything above 35 million pounds would be a bonus, uh, and that Yuri Tillemans is worth double the amount of money than James Madison. Now, I think um, obviously one game in terms of the the Chelsea game doesn't completely and shouldn't completely change an opinion, but it was it certainly makes this discussion all the more interesting, really, because I I, I don't agree with the strength of Oscar's comments there about James Madison's performance against Southampton. I wouldn't have labelled it a 4 out of 10. But there were several times where I would agree with Oscar. He kept hold of the ball for too long, took too many touches when he could have released it into some more space. And therefore, overall, his performance on paper looked a lot better because he scored the goal. It wasn't a 4 out of 10 against Southampton. Um, I don't think it's probably more of a six-ish and then the goal makes it look more like a seven or an eight possibly. But, you know, he's he spoke in his post-match interview after the Chelsea game in which I thought he was miles better than he was in the Southampton game where I thought he was he was fine. He was he was good. Um, But I think against Chelsea was he was miles, miles better, Um, more heavily involved, moved the ball a lot quicker made lots more impact in the final third and got himself another goal. But as he said, as uh, I'll go back to his his post-match press conference, yes, he's a great talker, of course he is. But he, he was very honest about getting his numbers up. He's worked with Brendan Rodgers, he's worked with the analysts at the club about where and how he can move around the pitch and, and affect the, the numbers, the stats, the assists, the goals in a more positive way. And... 
that's I think I'm right in saying off the top of my head, three and three for Madison. First time he scored three consecutive goals for Leicester, something like that. You can tell how little prep we do for this podcast. But I think five and seven as well is his, is, is his slightly more medium-term goal-scoring record. And for me, that's fantastic. And I'm interested to see what you think there, Pete, about Oscar's comments, because I, I, I can see where he's coming from in certain ways. But I think I think they're very, very str- too strong from my point of view about the performance against Southampton um, and completely blown out of the water by his display last night against Chelsea. Yeah, I completely agree with him. If we were talking about a Madison of the start of the season, big critic of Madison all the way through last season because of the player he could be and that could be is now turning into the player he is and really turning into he is now an awful lot better than he was towards the start of the season I I wouldn't have sold him I think that would have been over the top but I, I was always saying he should be scoring more he should be involved more he should do the simple things better and that is now a part of his game that really has improved he's when he was playing nearer to Tillemans in the last game he was um, he was acting as that go-between and moving the play quickly, but also uh, winning the ball back, laying the ball off, just being an all-round general midfielder rather than forward. Um, the forward part of his game has kicked in. The goals are just pure proof of that, and the way uh, he's taken his last two against Southampton and Chelsea is a prime example. And again, he is just developing in front of our eyes, and he's now slap bang in that conversation for again an England call up which I would have said was completely out of reach a few even even a couple of months ago there's players way ahead of him for me but not anymore at the moment he has to be in that conversation but that's a completely different thing than for for Leicester he as with Justin is just really and I mentioned this before kicking on with his career and more power to him. I think at the moment he's delivered his set play delivery has improved an awful lot over the last three or four games. Uh, we're still not scoring directly from them, but then again, that's players maybe in the middle. But uh, his set plays better. He's confident. He's linking play better. He's now completely fully fit. It seems, and um, he's playing the best football of his career. And I still think there's there's more to come. But at the moment, he's playing to an extreme high standard in the Premier League he's affecting games and uh yeah more power to him we can everyone's you know it's it, again I would have agreed with most of that but that would have been uh a few months ago at the moment he, he's playing so well and so and so are they all and um and as we look forward to the games coming up we've got the game against Brentford on what Sunday in the uh, in the FA Cup after that we're away at Everton in the Premier League. Then we're at home against Leeds, and then we're, what, Fulham Wolves, Liverpool at home before the Slavia Prague game. I think you can throw an FA Cup game in there as well if we get through against Brentford, a home tie against uh, either Brighton or another side that I can't think of the top of my head. Is it Blackpool? Possibly. Um, but the game against Brentford, very good side. Good side. Score goals. Dangerous opposition. I know we beat them last year. But I think this is a tough, tough tie. Tough. And I think Leicester will be very strong. But it's a game that's obviously winnable. But is going to prove very difficult. And then you've got the game away at Everton. Again, a game Leicester can go and win. 
against an Everton side who, after a brilliant start to the season, somewhat hit the buffers. And then since um, a string of defeats in the Premier League, they've really turned it around. And they won a home against Chelsea. They beat us on our own patch, 2-0. And then followed up with a win against Arsenal. Since then, in and out of form, a defeat at home against West Ham on New Year's Day, uh, followed up by a good win uh, away at Wolves in the Premier League. So they are still playing to a very good standard and would be you know, say similar opponents to, say, a Southampton in terms of level. And that's going to be a difficult game. Uh, and then, obviously, the Leeds game after that. So looking at these two games on the horizon... I've got my stomach there going, you can hear that. Um, looking at these two games on the horizon, Rob, Brentford in the Cup, a difficult game to work out because you'd imagine Leicester are going to go strong, possibly one or two changes. We mentioned Soyuncu, possibly, and Ricardo. They could come back into the side... But away from those two, I would imagine they would probably go with the strongest lineup possible. Maybe a chance for, depending on how he is, maybe Vardy being replaced by Perez. That may be the only change. And I know I went big last time with the changes. <laughs> I went too big by a long way. But I'm going to predict that um, Perez will start instead of Vardy. And I... I'm going to go for a Soyuncu centre-half partnership with another. And it will be Ricardo at right-back with Justin at left-back. So last time you went for nine changes, this time you're going for three. <laughs> I, I, I think we've got to. I think that I think it's got to go that way again. Uh, it would make sense if he's at that stage of his uh, rehab for Ricardo to start the game. And then you see how he is maybe at half time, and you know then that you've got, depending on who you drop to the bench, Justin or Castagna to come on, possibly even somebody like Luke Thomas, depending on how the game's going and what your match day squad looks like. Uh, but also, if he's fine at half time, you can say, right, get out there and get up to 55, 60 minutes. We'll see how you are, and then we'll pull you off um, after that, which is which is great. Um I think we've got to go strong again. Uh, I've just had a quick flick through Brentford's um, recent sort of fixtures and, and results. Um, their only defeat since October was against Spurs. That's quite a long time that they've not been beaten. So they are very used to uh, not losing football matches. They've had quite a few draws and they sit just inside the playoffs in the championship. But when they played Spurs in the League Cup, Spurs paid them total respect. In the, of course, of course you would. It's a semi-final. It's it's a slightly different scenario to an FA Cup fourth round match. But Spurs started with Son. They started with Kane. You know, all of their first teamers. They made maybe a, a couple of changes from what you would say is their strongest strongest side. Probably only even one, maybe two. So I think Leicester have got to do exactly the same if they are to successfully navigate this game against Brentford because they've got nothing to lose, Brentford. They've had a go at one attempt. To, well, I think they knocked out a few Premier League teams in the League Cup. Um, got to one step away from um, the the League Cup final and, and give a good showing, I think, against Tottenham overall, against a very strong, totally strong Tottenham team. So we've got to do the same when we go there as well. And I, I, I wouldn't disagree with any of your any of your suggestions for changes there if there was to be 
one more, maybe you might see one of the two wide players, either or Brighton or Barnes, brought out of the starting lineup and possibly Perez put into one of those wider positions with Ianacho through the middle, maybe. But apart from that, for all the um, positivity we've mentioned about our bench and the players that we're able to bring on, I don't think there's anybody else sitting on that bench that 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 warrants coming in at this stage. You've also got to, you've got to take into account as well the fact that after the Stoke game, uh, where we did only make those handful of changes, that there was no game in the midweek afterwards, and this time there is. So whether that will be a factor playing um, Sunday against Southampton. Uh, Tuesday against um, uh, Saturday night rather against Southampton Tuesday against Chelsea then Sunday against Brentford and Wednesday against Everton and then Sunday against Leeds whether that will play a factor into resting one or two more who knows but we've certainly got to go there and give them the utmost respect to be able to put ourselves in well we're already in the hat and drawn for the fifth round aren't we against Brighton and another I think it, it might be Blackpool I agree it begins with a B I'm sure it was two teams beginning with B and one of them was Brighton but yeah we we, we need to to pay them the respect that they deserve and, and, and also similarly to Everton because they are right in that sort of clump of teams that are only separated by a few points here and there and they are uh, they're a team that is managed by a very experienced man who absolutely knows how to get his team to win football matches. And apart from anything, apart from the players that they've got, that and that alone, um, I think so far has kept them right up at the at the top end of the Premier League. So some tough games coming up, but that's how we like it. We had last time we sat on this podcast, we were looking forward to two tough games where we said where we said six points out of that would be absolutely brilliant. And we were kind of both sitting on the fence and going for, oh yeah, four would be great. Six points from that. So we've already proved that tough games we can we can play well in and win in. And we take a top level of confidence into the next games. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Both games difficult against Everton. Uh, confident, no. Very confident. I think, and this... Might sound a bit weird, but I'm more confident going to Goodison than I am for the cup game. That might just be that part of me that is still, you know, you're slightly worried about maybe a cup upset, etc. But I think I don't think they're going to take their eyes off the prize. I don't think that's the case. I just think that the way Leicester are playing, if there are any changes, and I know we've been lauding and I lauded. Uh, rightfully so, the players coming into the side show what strength we have and how good we are at the moment. But I just think that against Brentford, we are more susceptible because of the the competition. I think if it's a tight game, if it turns into, it could turn into a a, a real barnstormer. This this could be a three two. It could be a three three because they're gonna. They just come come flying at Leicester. It's it's the way that they play, and I'm very confident about Leicester's attacking ability to score plenty. But I'm also confident that Brentford at home can really cause problems. And um, and I'm just thinking if it turns into that real scrap, 
that real dogfight. Not that Leicester don't have that in them at all, absolutely at all. But looking forward, and if it gets to that stage, whether it gets to the stage whether Leicester might just turn around and just not have that 1% or 2% because of the games against Everton, because of the way that they're playing in the Premier League. I, I just, I've I just got that in the back of my mind. I'm confident about Leicester win. I think they will go and win. I'm going to go with 3-2 again as my prediction. I think there's going to be goals. Um, but I, I think that Brentford are very dangerous. You go to then Goodison Park. Now, regardless, at the moment, we don't know anything about injuries, etc. or predicts or whatever. So we're going to go with Leicester with the strongest team. Okay, the the team that started against, um, well, both both games against Southampton, and against uh, Chelsea. I'm I'm confident about Leicester win. I think Leicester can go to Goodison and control the game. I think that we can catch them on the counter if Everton have play. I think if they go slightly direct, that our centre halves can deal with that. Um, it may be even a game for someone like a Suyuncu, possibly, uh, because of their aerial prowess not that Fafana lacks that but when you have Richarlison and when you have um, Calvert-Lewin up top someone like Sigerson who's, who's decent in the air they've got Tosin off the bench who's, who's um, decent in the air as well they've, they're, they're a strong team aren't they Everton and the, and the problems that they caused us at the King Power but I can see Leicester again scoring at Goodison and it being more of a low scoring game but I'm going to go with a again a Leicester win but, but this time I think Everton always have that goal in them, don't they? Especially against Leicester. Um, so I'm going to go for 2-1. A 2-1 Leicester win at Goodison and a 3-2 win in a great game on TV against Brentford. I'm going for back-to-back 2-1 victories. I think, although Brentford and Stoke are only separated by one place in the Championship, I think it's going to be a much more difficult match against Brentford. Um, and I think they have got the quality and the confidence to score, but I think we'll just about, hopefully, have too much for them. So I'm going to two on there, and then I think you're absolutely right in terms of Everton as well, particularly if Calvert-Lewin is available, then they always carry a goal threat. Uh, Rodriguez is, James Rodriguez is starting to get some more minutes back under his belt after an injury, He's an extremely talented footballer in the in the right sort of scenarios. So hopefully he's not on his game as well. Um, I would like in the Everton game Vardy to get back in the goals. Not because I'm particularly worried about it or anything, but it'd just shut a few people up, wouldn't it? And it would be nice to continue to share them out across the front line. He's been without for a couple of games um, and I think he will probably want to step in as well, much as he's on social media all the time saying great team performance, lads, blah, 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 blah. Ultimately, Vardy loves being front and centre. So a Vardy goal in a 2-1 win at Everton. Back to back 2-1s. Back to back 2-1s. Well, I'll, I'll definitely take that. So um, confidence then. Com- uh, and a, a degree of confidence which is expected from a side top of the league. Because, Rob, guess what? We are top of the Premier League. But... Something that neither is a top of, and that's the Fantasy Football League. So we need that music, Rob, because these are the top 11 sides. So the top 11, why 11, you say? (laughs) As if you had to doubt me. 
because in 11th place it's me just outside of top 10 but it's really the top 11 uh, I am on what and again we are in the middle of a game week as well so this would have changed because there are kickoffs in 12 minutes from recording so I'm in 11th place as we stand 1131 points Pete Selby with Frank Sinclair own goal uh, in 10th place Team Lau uh, with 1,133. Uh, up into ninth place, Bulldogs Forever, Gareth Bell, 1,138 points. Down into eighth, Rob Ford, Gardener's Delight, 1,142. Down into seventh place, Kieran Ford, with Vardy is Mike King, 1,144. Up into sixth place, it's Humza Yazdani with FC Mordor, 1,146 points. Up into 5th place, John Follows with JFC Leicester, 1,153. The top four haven't moved. Joe Healy, Les Dennis in 4th, 1,160. In 3rd place, Steve Curtin, FC Vladovic Barbers with 1,179. In 2nd place, Sam Lau with 1,199. And in top spot, once again, Luke Taylor, Taylor made. Uh, with 1,229 points. He's got 100 points so far for this game week. I'm on 88 points for the game week. So I've had a um, a decent game week so far. The likes of uh, Antonio I've brought in. I've used my free hit. So I've got uh, Antonio scored decent points. I've got De Bruyne, the captain, to come. Uh, Stones with his two goals and a clean sheet. Allison also with a uh, a clean sheet. So I've done quite well in 11th. I said I was going to be in the top 10 at the time of recording, but, you know, a couple of points off. Uh, where's Rob? You're after, a, you're after a big performance from De Bruyne tonight for Manchester City, aren't you, to propel you into the top 10. Uh, I'm still down in, uh, in the hundreds. I'm down in 137th place. Currently uh, 68 points for the game week, which is fairly solid, I think, looking around me. There's not many people that have scored that high. Um, and I've got uh, a triple captain on Phil Foden, which didn't exactly pay off when he didn't start at the weekend. However, he is starting tonight in what looks like Manchester City's front three. So I'm needing a huge night from big Phil Foden. Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to kind of, um, you know, smirch any, any, any picks or anything, but... That is a real left field pick. Phil Foden as a triple captain. And uh, I mean, I'm, I presume you obviously thought or, or now regret not giving it to Antonio because that would have been a, a an ideal pick. But uh, yeah, that is that is certainly from left field. But when you're in 137th place, not rubbing it in, just the facts, just the facts. Uh, I suppose you do need to take a risk. So... At the end of this week, hopefully, I'll be back in the top 10, but I'm only two points off the top 10 anyway, so that's still not bad. Anything else, Rob? No, I think that's it. I'll tell you what, if by the end of the week Leicester are still top of the league and you're in the top 10 of the fantasy football, we'll all just go home. <laughs> this time next week, we could be well, we could be in the fifth round of the FA Cup, we could be further clear at the top of the league or maybe joined by other sides because they've got games in hand. We could beat Everton as well. Of course, it all could go wrong. Anything can happen. But at the moment, Leicester City top of the league, Leicester City women top of their league as well. It's all going rosy. And why can't it continue? Hopefully it does. We all want to win the FA Cup. We want to beat Everton. And then 
as we join once again for for Fox sake next week uh, we'll look forward to a couple of really interesting games Leeds at home on paper at the moment looks a real barnstormer as much as the game against uh, uh, Brentford looks like it's got goals written all over it but Leeds at home looks an exceptional game so when we rejoin for Fox 8 next week hopefully on the back of a couple of wins make sure you visit our podcast sponsors footballkitmarket.com check out all of their January sales there's plenty of football shirts on there if you're interested in that so footballkitmarket.com check us out on Twitter at FFSpod join us on Facebook and join us next week for another for Fox 8 